Psalm 120. Psalm 120. This is the one psalm that we did not look at a whole lot when we were doing our, uh, our series on the Songs of Degrees. Psalm 120 tonight in your Bibles. Let me change the old tonight, all right? So, the motor doesn't need to be knocking to change the oil. You want to change the oil before the motor knocks. And so tonight we're going to do an oil change. Thank God the motor's not knocking. Uh, we want to make sure that the motor keeps running smooth until Jesus comes again. And so, a lot of times the Lord will guide your pastor to preach on what I call preventive maintenance preaching. And so when you find your place in Psalm 120, if you'll stand with us tonight out of respect for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 120, aren't you glad you have a Bible tonight? Amen? Amen. Psalm 120, verse number 1. The psalmist said, In my distress, I cried unto the Lord, and He heard me. Deliver my soul, O Lord, from lying lips and from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given unto thee, or what shall be done unto thee, thou false tongue? Sharp arrows of the mighty with coals of juniper. I want you to notice the next few verses. The psalmist said, Woe is me, that I sojourn in Mesic, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. My soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. And I want to talk to you just a little bit tonight about that subject you see on the screen. Beware of the Bible Bedouins. Bedouins. And so notice, if you will, verse number Verse number six and seven, my soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. Let me give you a message that God laid on my heart a number of weeks ago, and, uh, and I just hadn't had the liberty to preach it, but this week, it seemed like God really turned the green light on, and so you may be seated tonight, and we'll preach just for a few minutes this evening, and we'll, we'll let you be on your way tonight. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege to be here tonight. And Lord, at least to me, it seems like the service has flown by. Lord, it seems like it's going about 100 miles an hour. And they often do. Lord, thank you for letting us come together as a church family. Lord, I pray tonight that you give our people supernaturally. I pray that you'd give them an extra dose of stamina. Many have worked a very long, hard day. Some started long before the sun ever came up. And so because of that, on a Wednesday night, of course, they're a, little, they're a little weary tonight. I don't think we'll be very long this evening, but I do pray that in the time that we uh, get around your word, I pray, Father, that you'll give them the energy they need to not just endure a message or a sermon, but God, I pray that they'll be able to actually listen and uh, listen uh, on purpose. And I pray that they'll be able to gain from it. And Lord, I, I pray that you would keep this church headed in the right direction. Lord, you're working. You're working. I'm very excited about it. I think most are. I think the devil is not. 
And Lord, I know that a church like this can't keep going like it's going and see people saved, baptized, lives changed, families joining the church, excitement, fellowship. And of course, Lord, the enemy is going to be trying their best to throw a wrench into the gears. And Lord, there's nothing I can do about that as far as I don't have the power to to keep the devil from doing that. But I'm so glad I serve a God who can. And I'm glad tonight that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And so Lord, I pray that you'd keep this work moving on. Ever forward, never backward. Help us have the right spirit, the right mentality. Help us to be grateful. Help us to be thankful. Help us not to complain. Help us not to murmur. Help us not to fuss, fight. God, I pray that you'd help us to love you and love one another. To forgive, to forget, to go forward. And I pray, Heavenly Father, because of it, that the kingdom of God will be built and that Jesus will receive more praise and glory. That is what it's all about. And so, Lord, I pray now that you'd fill us with the Holy Spirit. And God, give us hearing ears. And I pray all that's said and done would honor you and glorify you tonight. I pray for your blessing now. We love you, Lord. We praise you. You're so good to us. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen, amen. And the psalmist said in verse number five, woe is me. (laughs) What a way to start the verse. Woe is me. What am I thinking? What was I thinking? Uh, woe is me that I sojourn in Mesek, that I dwell in the tents of Kedar. We find here in Psalm chapter 120 that the psalmist is sojourning in a place called Mesek and dwelling among the tents of, uh, I, I started using, I started calling it Kedar, but it's actually Kedar is the way you uh, pronounce that word. And I begin to study that out a little bit and all the scholars that I read from Uh, Nobody seems to know exactly why the psalmist sojourned among these people. We know that he was there. I believe I found the place in the Old Testament that uh, Psalm 120 is pointing to. I'll say more about that in just a little bit. One scholar said we don't have any record of David ever ever sojourning in that part of the the desert. And I, I sort of disagree with that. I think I found where that is. But... We don't know why he went there. We, we sort of know when. We know where. We just don't know exactly why the psalmist sojourned among these people. And with that said, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever dwelled in a place or hung around a certain group of people and you thought when you got around those folks or you got around that place, you thought, you know, this is probably not the best decision I've ever made. Once you got around that group or you got involved in that situation or you got in that that certain location, you thought to yourself, you know, this is probably not going to end well. And that's sort of the situation that the psalmist is in. Kedar was known as a descendant of Ishmael. And you remember that story. We've heard preaching on it here lately. Ishmael was a son by Hagar. Not the promised son. It was the affair that Abraham had with Hagar, and, and through that affair, they bore a son by the name of 
Ishmael. And Ishmael, the Bible says about Ishmael that Ishmael would be a, a wild man and that nobody would be able to, would be able to handle Ishmael. As I was studying this out, the words Mesek and Kadar, I noticed that it also means Bedouin. Bedouin. Maybe a word that you've never used, maybe a word even you've never seen. Some of you have, some of you are, are familiar with that. But I want to talk to you a little bit about the Bedouins tonight. The Bedouins are a people that live a very rough life. Not very many modern conveniences. Um, they pretty much, the Bedouins would be like we would call nomads. They, they pretty much survive in the desert. And, uh, and some of you have been to Israel, you know what I'm talking about. Israel has some pretty intense desert. Especially the closer you get to the city of Jerusalem, the worse it gets. Now, my wife and I, a number of times, have been to California where our, our kids are. <coughs> and California has a lot of desert. But the California desert, a lot of times, a lot of scrubs, a lot of Joshua trees, uh, tumbleweeds. Uh, just, it's got not green. Nothing's green. It's all brown. But, but there's, uh, there's things in the desert. But the closer you get to the city of Jerusalem the more it begins to look like this right here. I remember as we were getting very close to, to Jerusalem, uh, the trees, any trees that are in Israel, the trees begin to disappear. Uh, Jerusalem is full of rocks. Man, there's rocks everywhere in Jerusalem. But the closer, uh, or Israel, and the closer you get to Jerusalem, the more it just becomes sand. And that's where the Bedouin people live. They live there in the desert, constantly contending with the sand constantly contending with the intense heat and the lack of water and the harshness and the ferocity of the desert. Sometimes in Israel, it, 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 the, the, the temperature will climb as much as 120 degrees. And yet these people live out there. They live under the sun, no shade, no trees, really no bodies of water, just sand, ever on the move. No place that they really call home. They'll pitch their, you know, their little village there for a little while and then they'll pick up their stakes and they'll move to another location. Ever on the move. No place to really call home. What's really interesting about this is that the Bedouin people are still there today. In fact, as we, my wife and I, we were uh, on our, our mission trip to Israel and we, we only spent one day in Jerusalem, but as we were on our way to Jerusalem and on our way out of Jerusalem, the closer you get to Jerusalem and the more you see the desert, of course, there's not a lot, whole lot to hide, no trees or anything like that. And so you'll see these little Bedouin villages, the closer you get in, you'll see these little settlements. And when I say a settlement, you'll see a little series of tents and lean-tos and tarps and homemade pens where they keep their goats and their sheep. Uh, it looks like, it really does, it looks like uh, a very poor, homeless settlement. In fact, as we were going into Jerusalem, we asked our guides, we said, what is, what is that? And they said, that's the Bedouin people. That's the Bedouin village. And I, honestly, it was very sad. It was very trashy. It was very junky. And... One of the guides said, yeah, he said the, the uh, Israeli government has actually reached out to the Bedouins because 
as people are making their way into Jerusalem, it's such an eyesore as you have got this lofty idea of Jerusalem and then as you're making your way and you send all these little, it looks like little homeless settlements everywhere. And so the Israeli government reached out to the Bedouins and said, listen, we'll give you housing if you just do away with all the tents and all the, the lean-tos and the tarps, we'll give you government housing and all those kind of things. And the uh, Bedouin people refused to receive help from anybody. So they stay out there day after day and year after year living in these little tents living under these tarps. They live off the land. And you say, Pastor, did you bring us here on a Wednesday night to teach us about the Bedouin culture? Well, sort of. Because I want you to understand that the Bedouin people are people who could have it so much better. Yet they choose to live that type of lifestyle. On top of that, we find here that the psalmist seems to associate these people of Kadar. He associates them as people who are haters of peace. The psalmist said, I wanted peace. Man, I just wanted peace. But he said, they are set on war. Now, I've been to study this out. And honestly, I believe this. I believe that Psalm 120 is a psalm that's pointing back to David's encounter with Nabal the Carmelite. And some of you remember that story. The Bible says Samuel the prophet has died. And the Bible says for some reason, we don't know why, but the Bible says that David goes down to the wilderness of Paran. And while he's there, he runs into, he runs into some of Nabal's men, some of his shepherds. And the Bible says that David treats those shepherds, he treats them with kindness and generosity. And then he says to those shepherds, he says, listen, I want you to go talk to your master, Nabal, and I want you to tell him that we've been very kind to you, and we've taken care of you, we've guarded you, we've, we've tried to help protect you, and, uh, and, and, and let your master know that, that we've, we've been a, a friend. We've been a friend to you, and we would like to come and be a friend to Nabal, and we'd like Nabal to be kind to us. And so sure enough. Nabal's shepherds take off and they come back to their master and they said, Master, we met, this, uh, we met this man, David, and his men and they were very kind to us and they showed us generosity and they protected us and, and they would like you to show some kindness to them. And we find in that story that Nabal returns David's kindness with hatred. And so in Psalm 120, David said, I came seeking peace. But he said all they wanted was war. It's not that these people couldn't have peace if they wanted it. But something we need to understand, they choose war. They choose fighting. They wake up every day, these kind of folks, they wake up every day looking for something to fight about. <laughs> Everything can be going great. But these people wake up thinking, all right, what can I nitpick about today? What can we fuss about today? What can I do today that will cause some hard feelings? What's the one negative thing that I can look for? What's the one, uh, the one uh, bleak thing that I can look for? Something to criticize, something to tear down, something that, that doesn't meet their approval. 
You say, Pastor, what in the world's your point? My point is that from time to time, churches will have some better ones who try to set up camp in God's house. There can be 10,000 positive things happening with two negatives, and Bible Bedouins camp out on the two negatives rather than the 10,000 positives. They don't have to. Uh, They shouldn't. They could have it a whole lot better, but they choose. Am I preaching good tonight? Amen. Don't worry. You don't have to worry. I'll amen myself tonight. I came prepared. And there can be 10 million wonderful, positive, uh, anointed things that are going on, 10 million inspirational things that are going on. God has literally opened the windows of heaven and poured out a blessing, and yet there are two negative things. And the Bible Bedouin uh, focuses not on the 10 million positive things, but he focuses on the two negative things. The pastor can make 40 good decisions and three bad. And yet the bad ones like to camp out on the three bad. There will be 180 people who want peace, but there's one bad one who's looking for a fight. There seems to be, there's always one that's looking for a war. Man, I'm looking for a bone to pick. I'm looking for something that I can nail to the wall. Something that I can complain about. Something that I can murmur about. Now, uh, listen to me tonight, Calvary. Let, Let me help us tonight. Did you know the Israelites, although the Israelites were supremely blessed The Israelites had taken on a Bedouin mentality. Rather than focus on all the blessings, they began complaining about everything they did not have. I'm preaching it right tonight. For instance, God freely supplied manna. God rained it down. The Bible says, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's people ate angels' food. They, they ate the manna. They didn't have to produce it. They didn't have to pay for it. They didn't have to work for it. They didn't even have to cook it. It dropped, God dropped those blessings all around them. They didn't even have to go very far to pick it up. I mean, he literally dropped it. Oh, yes, 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 yes. He just dropped it right on top of them. I mean, right outside their tent. They just walk outside the tent door and start picking up manna. Didn't have to sweat about it. Didn't have to perspire. I mean, the blessings of God were falling. The blessings of God were coming. And God was taking care of his people. God supernaturally was blessing the people of God. And yet we find some people who took on a Bedouin mentality and they began to complain about the things that they did not have rather than rejoice over the blessings that they did have. Numbers 21.5, and the people spake against God and against Moses. 
Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water. And our soul loatheth this light bread. We're sick of it. We're tired of it. Yes, it's keeping us alive. Yes, it's sustaining our families. Yes, it's keeping us on the go. Yes, it's supernatural. Yes, it's divine. Yes, it's angels food. Yes, it's straight out of heaven. Yes, it is. But we don't want that God. We don't like that God. We want to find something that we can complain about. If we're not careful, we'll take on a Bedouin mentality in a local church that's being blessed. Rather than praise God for all of his blessings, we'll complain about a few problems. Amen, preacher. Yes, sir. Park there a little while. That's good preaching right there. Thank you, brother. I think I will. Amen. I think I'll just park there and preach a little bit tonight. Hey, Calvary, don't miss this tonight. Let me help us tonight. You and I had better be so careful that we don't walk in a miracle like this right here and begin to take for granted the blessings of God and the miracles of God. Listen, I don't know if you know this or not tonight, but what you're sitting in and what you're a part of, it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's divine. And listen, this preacher didn't build it. A deacon didn't build it. A Sunday school teacher didn't build it. This is God's work. This is God's work. I said, this is God's work. And I'm going to tell you something. I'd be afraid to lift my hand against God's work. Bedouin mentality. Well, preacher, I don't know if you know this or not. One of the kids stopped up a commode. Well, thank God we've got some kids to stop up some commodes. And if you don't like kids, is everybody okay tonight if I just preach for a little bit? And if you don't like kids, then I suggest that you move your membership to somewhere where the whole congregation is elderly. We love our elderly congregation. I've made that very verbalized and vocal. We love our older folks at Calvary Baptist Church. But the truth of the matter is, us older folks will be moving off the scene and we better have some younger folks who can step into place and lead and guide and preach and minister at Calvary Baptist Church. Listen, don't miss the blessings of God. Someone says, well, preacher, I don't know if you know this or not, but I had a hard time finding a parking place the other day. Well, thank God we had a crowd and thank God we have a paid parking space uh, parking lot where you don't have to wade through the mud like you used to down here. And so if someone took your parking spot, what I would suggest is that you get here sooner. <laughs> Pastor, I don't know if you know this or not, but someone took my seat the other day and I had to sit in the back. Well, Thank God there's a back to sit in. By the way, last time I checked, 
Last time I checked, I don't see any names on the bottom of those chairs. You say, preach, I don't like this kind of preaching. I didn't come here for you to like it tonight. And by the way, you can vote me out tomorrow, but I'll promise you this. I'll preach this at the next church that I go to. But somewhere along the line, there's going to have to be a church that rises against the norm and rises against the natural and says, man, we want the breath of God on this ministry. And we'll, listen, we'll never get God's breath when you're arguing about a stupid chair. That's about as, that's about as immature, that's about as spiritually uh, infantile as you can get. Somebody says, you've got my chair. There's not any, you don't own any chair in this place. Someone says, well, I can't believe the pastors wanted to suspend money again. Well, thank God God's given us money to spend. And by the way, last time I looked, the sign does not say Calvary Savings and Loan. It says Calvary Baptist Church. God doesn't give us money so we can store it up in the bank and say, hey, 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 we've got a half a million dollars. Big deal. You've got a half a million dollars. You're not doing anything with it. You're not supporting missionaries. You're not building churches. You're not printing Bibles. You're not passing out gospel tracts. You're not trying to reach people with the gospel of Christ. Listen, what you've turned into is not a local church. You've turned into a country club. Someone says, well, I don't agree with the decision that the pastor made. Well, thank God you're not the pastor. And pray for him. And if some of you folks keep it up, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm going to start praying God calls you to preach. And then in five years from today, I'm going to stick my tongue and say, mm. You thought it was so great. Bedouin mentality. If we're not careful, we'll take on a Bedouin mentality in our personal lives. Well, I can't believe that we are not able to afford steak. Well, then I would thank God for bologna. Bologna sandwich, pretty good. Bologna and cheese, a little mayonnaise or mustard, maybe a little ketchup. Slap some lettuce on that thing. Somebody says, I, I can't believe, I can't believe that I have to wear glasses. Well, thank God you can see. Someone says, I can't believe that we don't have the money to eat at Olive Garden. Well, thank God you can eat from the garden. And I'm going to say tonight, if you can't afford the steakhouse, thank God for the Waffle House. Amen. 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 What are you saying? I'm saying, you know what, Calvary, it's time that we slap ourselves spiritually and say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. We're in the middle of a miracle. Are we noticing what God is doing? I mean, God is saving. God is changing lives. God is having converts to be baptized. 
Every time we, every time you ask these deacons if I'm not preaching it right, every time we step out in faith and do something, God sends it right back in three times over. And I'm telling you, you are in the midst of a miracle. But if you're not careful, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. And you'll start looking for the negative. Did you hear the choir hit the the wrong note? No, but I heard them hit a whole lot of right ones. Did you hear the instrumentalist play the wrong key? No, but I heard them play a lot of right ones. Looking for the positives, not the negatives. The psalmist said, my soul hath long dwelt with him that hateth peace. I am for peace. But when I speak, they are for war. Several things, we're done. We're going to be out here. Number one, peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Now turn over, if you will, in your Bibles, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 22. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22. And the Bible tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you begin to bear fruit of the Spirit of God. And Galatians chapter 5, verse number 22, the Bible says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, what is it? Is love. And then it's what? It's joy. Look at the, 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 the third thing. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. The fruit of the Spirit-filled child of God. Is not only love, joy, but it is peace. Hmm. Look that up. The word peace there, by the way, don't take my word for it. Go study it out. The word peace means quietness. Quietness. That's interesting. Quietness. I have some people that I've pastored through the years. I could tell they were spirit-filled because they're just, one of their attributes is quietness. They're in their place, doing their thing, fulfilling their responsibilities, winning folks to Jesus. Quiet. Happy, thankful for the blessings of the Lord. The word peace means rest. And it means this, it means peace between individuals. So, Cavern, let me help us tonight. If you come across someone in this church, by the way, this church is growing. New folks are coming in all the time, which, by the way, is what we want. But don't, don't think for half of a second that the devil can't plant someone in the middle of a miracle. So if you come across someone who's always nitpicking, always looking to stir something up, always, yeah, 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 yeah. And they try to tell you they're spirit-filled, you look at them and say, you're a liar. You have my permission. You're a liar. You're a liar. Because if you're spirit-filled, You'll have peace. You'll get along with individuals 
You'll have rest. You'll have quietness. People that are filled with the Spirit are usually trying to make peace and not start a war. People that are Spirit-filled are always in the habit of giving others the benefit of the doubt. Well, he probably didn't mean it like that. Well, she probably didn't mean to look at you like that. But people aren't Spirit-filled when you say, Boy, so-and-so, so-and-so didn't shake my hand. Yeah, I know. That's the way he is. That's the way he is. Didn't shake my hand either. Tell you what we ought to do. Let's just don't shake his hand next time. You just told on yourself. You're not spirit-filled. Spirit-filled people are usually trying to make peace and not start a war. Now take your Bibles, take your Bibles tonight and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 15. 2 Samuel chapter 15. Interesting story. You, you know the story. The Bible says that Absalom, the son of David, has started a conspiracy against his own father. He has caused a revolution against his own daddy. David's the king. And Absalom has begun to win the hearts of the men away from his dad. And the Bible says that an uprising in the city has begun. And we find here, this is, this is so interesting, we find here that David is asked by some of his mightiest men, king, I mean, the revolution has started, Absalom has risen up against his dad, and some of David's mighty men have said, all right, David, king, Tell us what you want us to do. By the way, have you ever studied David's mighty men? They were bad to the bone. These guys were like the Navy SEALs. I mean, they were like the Green Berets. This was the Delta Force. These guys were trained killers. That's what they'd done. They knew how to use a sword. They knew how to use a spear. They knew how to use a sling. They knew how to use a shield. These guys were trained assassins. And they came to David and said, all right, David, Hey, king, tell us what to do. You want us to start whacking some heads? Look at it. 2 Samuel, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel 15. And look at verse number 15. And the king's servant said unto the king, Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. 2 Kings 15, 15. Behold, thy servants are ready to do whatsoever my lord the king shall appoint. Back up and look at verse 14. And David said unto all his servants that were with him at Jerusalem, Arise and let us flee. Whoa. Wait a minute. This is David. This is the guy that couldn't lose. This is the guy that won every battle he ever went to. David's got his mighty men with him. And and David says in verse 14, Arise and let us flee. For we shall not escape from Absalom. Make speed to depart. Watch watch this. Lest he overtake us suddenly and bring evil upon us. And I've got this underlined. And smite the city with the edge of the sword. You know what mighty King David was saying, fellas? It's not worth it. Absalom is out of his mind. 
He'll, he'll ruin this city. He'll destroy this city just to get to me. And we have friends here. We have people we love in this city. We love, this is our beloved city. We love this city. You know what David said? We're leaving. We'll come back. But for now, we're leaving in order to keep the peace. Wow. You know what the spirit-filled child of God does when things happen and people say things and things happen in the church? The spirit-filled child of God says, it's not worth it. It's not worth, it's not worth me getting mad at Brother Rodney. It's not worth it. Are you kidding? So I'm going to get up here and preach every Sunday and I'm going to make sure I don't look this way. I'm going to look over here the whole time. And then I'm going I'm to keep the spirit of God from moving on this church. I'm going to keep people from getting saved. I'm going to keep the Holy Ghost from working in this church just because, just because he didn't shake my hand or he said something a little out of the way to me or he didn't do something I liked or, or he looked at me in the wrong way. Are you kidding me? You think I'm going to sacrifice everything that God is doing just because I don't necessarily see eye to eye with this guy? Are you crazy? And by the way, if you live that kind of life, you are crazy. And you're crazy out of the will of God. And you're not spirit-filled. Because the spirit-filled man says, you know, Brother Roddy did something the other day. Man, he really, man, he really hurt my feelings. But, we had a young man saved Sunday night. We had four baptized Sunday night. We had two families join the church Sunday morning. The Spirit of God's moving. You know what I think I'm going to do? Ah, I'm just going to forget it. I'm not even going to worry about it. He probably didn't feel well that day. Probably wasn't feeling good. Something, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe him and Miss Allen had a little tiff that morning or something, you know. They never do. I know they never do. Everybody with me tonight? And yet, what I'm preaching tonight is what's splitting churches all over America. Stupid thing. Little stupid, nitpicky things that don't amount to a hill of beans. And years later, churches are a skeleton of what they used to be. All because somebody was wanted, wanted their chair. All because the bulletin maker forgot to put somebody's name in the bulletin. Peace is the fruit of the Spirit. Number two, we're, we're, we're going to be done. Number two, peace is freely available. Hey, Calvary, did you know that peace is there for the taking if you want it? Turn over quickly, if you would, to Philippians chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 4, verse number 6. Say, Pastor, I want peace. How can we get peace? I'm getting ready to show you how you can have peace. By the way, I'm going to show you how, how you can have peace in your church. I'm going to show you how you can have peace in your marriage. I'm going to show you how you can have peace in your home. I'm going to show you how you can have peace on your job. Philippians chapter 4, and look at verse number 6. The Bible says, be careful for nothing. That means don't be filled with anxiety. Don't be worried about everything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by What's the first one? Prayer. Prayer. And what's the second one? Fasting. 
<clears throat> supplication and with, what's the next one? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God and, verse 7, and the what? And the peace, peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Prayer, Amen. supplication, thanksgiving, prayer. The word prayer there, verse number six, it means prayer, it means worship. Worship. It means an oratory. Y'all know what worship is? Oh, yeah, preacher, we're not worshiping. <clears throat> I guess that could be a form. That's not worship. Everybody watching? I'll show you what worship is. Oh, God. Oh, God. What a God. What a God that I serve. That's worship. You know, if you're worshiping like that, I'm going to be honest. It's sort of hard to be upset about a chair. Supplication. It means petition, prayer, request. It's praying specifically, praying, believing. You have some very personal things in your life. The Bible says pray specifically. Don't just pray, Lord, I need this bill paid. Tell him which bill it is. Lord, I need some money. Tell him, Lord, I need $86.38. Pray specifically. Pray specifically. You're praying about, I mean, pray specifically. Tell God what you want. Tell God what you need. And then Thanksgiving. It means grateful language to God. And the Bible says if we'll be involved in prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, you know what God's promised? God's promised peace. Peace. So peace is a fruit of the Spirit. Peace is freely available. We're done. We notice, number three, that peace is formulated when you fix your mind on Christ. You can just jot these down. Psalm 119, verse 165. Great peace have they. Which love thy law. Anybody know the rest of it? And nothing shall offend them. Great peace. Not just peace, great peace. Great peace. Somebody comes to you, man, they're talking about this negative and that negative and this problem and this issue and I can't believe the preacher said this and I can't believe the deacons did this and I can't believe the choir hit that sour note and I can't believe this. They've just told on themselves. They're not in the Bible. Amen. They are not in God's word because the Bible says great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Peace is formulated when you're you fix your heart, your mind on Christ. Many, many years ago, you pray for Brother Steve Robertson, by the way. Brother Steve's been on a ventilator for quite a few days. 
Many years ago, we went down to Gospel Light, North Carolina for a conference. And we loved Brother Steve. We still love Brother Steve. And I went, after the service, I went up to Brother Steve Robertson. I said, Brother Steve, would you sign my Bible for me? And Brother Steve took my Bible, he took his pen out, and he wrote, Steve Robertson, Isaiah 26.3. I was just a kid, Christian, just getting started out. I didn't know what Isaiah 26.3 was. But I went home, and I read it, and then I memorized it. Isaiah 26.3, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. We're done. I just, what I'm, what I'm doing tonight, Calvary, is I'm giving us the litmus test. So people come in here and they miss the, they miss the miracle. Nitpick, 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 criticize, complain, murmur, murmur. It is an absolute true test. Their mind is on a God, but not the God. They have become a God unto themselves. But when you get your mind on Jesus, you'll walk in saying, Wow, glory. (laughs) Man, did you hear that choir? Wow. When you walk into your spirit field, you'll say, man, we got the greatest deacons in all the world. Greatest deacons in all the world. Yeah, amen. By the way, I do. I got the greatest deacons in all the world. When you walk in spirit field, you'll say, man, these musicians knocked it out. Man, did you hear that special the other night? Did you hear that special tonight? Man, wow, that was incredible. Man, that was great. What'd you think about those four people getting baptized? What'd you think about that young man getting saved? What'd you think about those families joining the church? What do you think about the church growing? What do you think about the fact I can't find a parking place in the, in the parking lot? Hey, God is good. If you're spirit filled. But if you're a better one, you'll be always looking for the negatives. So Calvary, here's the message. Don't set up camp with Bible better ones. And here's the other message. We welcome everybody at Calvary Baptist Church. Except those who come looking for war. We think what God has given us here is too dear and it's too wonderful. And the last time I looked, the doors are not keeping anybody from leaving. And so if you come to this church, you ought to be excited about the miracles that God are doing. Martin uh, Martin Luther was known as telling the story about two billy goats had met each other on a very narrow bridge. And underneath that bridge was very deep water, rushing water, very, very deep. Those billy goats came head to head. Neither would back up. And they knew that 
they had better not start fighting or, they, or one or the other would knock one off into the deep water and drown. And so after a little parlay, one of the goats laid down. And he let the other billy goat crawl over him. And they both went on their way. There's nothing, there's nothing worth letting the devil get in this work and letting him, letting him cause problems or hindrances or issues. Nothing, nothing, nothing. And just in case you're wondering, I won't let you. Just in case you're wondering. This is preventive maintenance preaching tonight. God's given us the greatest church family. God's given us the greatest. Listen, honestly, I think this is, the sky's the limit for Calvary. I, honestly, I think, I think there's no telling. I don't know what 2021, if, if God brought us through 2020 like he did, what's 2021 going to be like? I don't know what God's going to do, but I know this. God has a plan. And if this building gets packed out, God will, God will build another building. I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about that. If there's not enough parking places uh, in this parking lot, God's given us seven more acres. We'll put more parking down the hill. If God wants us to, he'll build a tram up here. I mean, honestly. God can do it. God can do it. But let's make sure we keep our eyes on the blessings and not the negatives. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, thank you for the work that you're doing at Calvary. And Father, I pray that every time we walk in, I pray we'll walk in singing the praises of the Lord, rejoicing. What a God. <laughs> what a church. What a spirit. Lord, to see people saved, baptized, families changed, homes strengthened, marriages helped. Father, thank you. Lord, maybe tonight some folks would just see fit to take just a moment and just come around an old-fashioned altar and just pray ahead your protection around their church. And just say, Lord, would you protect my church? Lord, would you keep your spirit here, your blessings here? Lord, would you keep giving us souls? Father, could, could you help it where converts keep getting baptized? Lord, could you help it where you take our live stream to a whole new level? Maybe we could reach people not only in North Carolina, but maybe we could reach people in South Carolina. Georgia and all up and down the eastern coast God could you do that God could you give us a spirit of unity and a bond of peace like none other Lord could you give us a spirit of forgiveness God may we forgive our brothers and sisters for when they make some mistakes 
God, please protect us. I believe you're coming as soon. I believe the rapture of the church will soon be here. But Lord, until that time comes, would you please keep this church in the way? God, would you please keep us going in the right direction? Oh God, I'm praying right now that you'd please put a hedge around my wife and I. Father, protect us. Lord, protect our kids. Help our kids not to stumble. God, I pray you'd put a hedge around our people. Oh, God, keep us from tragedy this year. Oh, Lord, make a hedge around every every home, every family. God, make a hedge around every marriage. I pray no marriages will fail in 2021. Oh, God, keep us where we need to be. Father, have your way in the invitation. Lord, it could be there's somebody that needs to be saved tonight. I pray that they'll come to Christ. Have your way. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's all stand, if you would, tonight with our heads bowed and our eyes closed.